If you have your Bible this morning, and I hope that you do, join me in Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at today the last part of that first chapter of Rome, uh, Romans, that letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, that letter that as we've just begun, we've discovered already, uh, is challenging. If, if we really read and study uh, what we call in our Bible the book of Romans, but this letter that Paul wrote, if we really dig into it and we really study, this, this is a challenging book. This is a challenging letter, and it should, uh, for each of us, it really just should kind of stir us up in, in lots of ways and, and challenge us in lots of ways. And what we're, what we're looking at is, as we go through Romans together is the righteousness of God. That's, that is Romans uh, in, a, in a box, and we're not going to try to put it in a box, but if you wanted to to say what the theme was, the righteousness of God, and what we're calling our study together is it, these are instructions for us and for the church in Rome and of how to be right, how to be right with God, how to be right with ourselves, and how to be right with others. And all of those are so important. And, and what, we've, what we've already come to as, as just importance when we talk about that righteousness of God, the first priority, the first thing that we have to have in line is us being right with Him. Nothing else, nothing else will line up and nothing else will come together until we line up with God in our lives. And, and don't hear what I'm not saying because that doesn't mean that we're living perfect lives. We, we are not. I don't. We're not living perfect lives, but we're doing everything that we can with the Holy Spirit as our guide to follow God and do what God has called us to do. We're doing everything we can, and our focus, always our primary focus, is on Him first. And what we know, because, uh, and not because just of the verses that we looked at last week, or two weeks ago now, uh, but because of the truth that we know, because uh, as believers... We know how the gospel, the good news, that declaration of victory, we know what that's done in our hearts. We know what that's done in our lives, and we know what we are because of who God is, but what we also know is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ alone, that salvation that's available to anyone and everyone that will believe, the gospel is the only answer to everything going on around us in the world. We can talk all day long about how we would fix stuff. And we're not going to fix anything. The gospel alone, the good news of Jesus Christ, is the only thing, is the answer for humanity. Um, and, and what humanity doesn't understand as a whole. And, and I had to write this down. I heard it yesterday. Uh, and I think this, this really fits what, what we're talking about when we're talking about the righteousness of God and the gospel, that good news, is humanity can't grasp the depth. Humanity can't grasp the depth, depth of the salvation that we know until they recognize the magnitude of the problem. And, and, I mean, literally, that's one of those kind of statements. You can just close, 
close the book and sit down and let that resonate. Because, and that is, think about it. Think about where we all were at one time and what God did for us. And we realized just how big the problem was. Then we can understand just how big the good news is and the salvation that we know. The world's not, the world's not going to understand until they know that. And, and I'm not standing here this morning to tell you that we're going to win the world. I wish we could. And when I say we, I'm talking about believers. I wish we could win the world. There are those that are going to choose not to, not to believe and not to trust in Christ. And the chaos for them is going to continue. But if, if they could understand from Romans chapter 1, verse 16, let's, let's look at those, those two verses that we've, we've settled on as, as the key for uh, this entire letter. Paul writing to the church after he's laid some things out for them about who he is and why he's wanting to come to Rome. He declares to them, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ, the gospel, the declaration of that victory. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This, this good news with us, no, I'm having allergies this morning. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And again, it comes down to our faith in Christ. And if the world could come to that understanding and put their faith in the one, in the one who started it all, has a plan for it all, and can and will redeem it all and just if if the world would catch that and let that transform them through that righteousness of God to understand the depth of the problem so let's go to our text for today um we're going to pick up in verse 18, and I'm going to read for us this morning, 18 through 32. It's a, it's a little bit longer passage, um, but this, this is what we will unwrap today as we start to look at what everything begins with and, and what it, based on what we know. So anyway, let's, let's go to the text. Romans chapter 1, uh, picking up in verse 18, right after Paul's declaration of that good news. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise they instead became utter fools. 
And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their de de shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, in instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Uh, verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that, they sh that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break, the, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them. Let's stop and pray before we go on because that's heavy, right? So let, let's pray. Father, thank you. God, thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you for Paul's boldness to write this so many years ago and for us to be able to, to study it and to understand what you're trying to tell your people. And God, this morning, as, as we study this, God, I pray that for each of us that this isn't something that as we read these words that can be so very heavy, God, that we're, we're, we're not weighed down. But God, we're encouraged. We're encouraged in knowing, in knowing for us the goodness of your gospel. And God, also in knowing for us that we can share this with others who can come to know you as well and find the peace that we know God even in our struggles can find the peace that we know and so God this morning as as we study God speak to us and encourage us to do what you've called us to do and father we love you this morning as we do every day but this morning God we need you to make this clear for us and we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. And here, here's what this all comes down to. And again, I don't, this is this one, and then as we go into chapter two and a little bit of chapter three, there's gonna kind of be some of this tone because what Paul is doing is he's he's trying to help 
the people in Rome and to help us, even though he wasn't particularly writing to us 2,000 years ago, just to understand the gravity of what's going on in the world. But in that, he wants us to know the goodness of God and, again, the righteousness of God. And he wants us to know, he wants us to know how to be right with God. So, again, it, it kind of feels like, it, it kind of feels like a, an anchor sitting in our gut this morning. But these are the things that we need to know and we need to understand. So as we go and we're sharing our faith with others, we really get a grasp on, again, the depth of the need for people to know Jesus Christ. And again, I, that word that I use so many times that should compel us to go and tell because as we read this, especially these verses this morning, we just see nothing but gloom and doom. But we have peace and hope. And that peace and hope is what we need to be busy about. And, and the truth of these verses, the truth of these verses that we're looking at this morning, when you get him wrong, you get everything else wrong. As I said earlier, we first have to be lined up with him as we chase after him and a phrase that I love that I use constantly I'm going to say it two or three times this morning the most important thought that you ever think about God will determine every other dimension of your existence wherever we put God however we put God that determines everything else and we know that as believers and what Paul is telling us the world knows that too it's it's there the world knows that as well but everything that we think our most important thought determines everything else when we're looking at where we have God in perspective so let's go back to the text those those first few verses uh, 18 to 23 I won't read reread all of them now but we're going to dig into some thoughts uh, from from that part of the passage as, as we really work this morning to uh, to get through to verse 32 he tells us the world knows man knows verse 18 but God shows his <clears throat> shows his anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness they know the truth of God because he's made it obvious to them I mean man history man began in a relationship, a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. So from the beginning, man has known God, known about God. And what Paul is, is writing for us and declaring for us is we can see God in everything. And there's a part of us, there's just an, an innate part of us that recognizes when we look, when we see, when we see how the world around us functions and things work together and the natural order of things in us we know we just know there's a creator and and not you know not the twisted version of of what the world can make the creator to be or whatever else started things but in us there's God created in us from the beginning that ability to recognize him in everything. But from the beginning, literally, 
the denial started. And, and the way around God started. And, and the way of, of looking at God in light of what the world wanted God to be started to evolve with sin, that, that's, that evil that came in and, and those ideas and thoughts and even notions of God started to creep into humanity. And Paul talks about it from the idea of suppressing the truth. Humankind is really good at suppressing the truth. And, and I know that you're all smart people and, and you understand what, what that means, but just, you know, to push, push him down, to push him back, to hold him back. And suppression, when, when we, and, and to make it personal for us, when we work so hard to suppress God and to put him behind us and, and put him out of the way, it, it leads, it's a harsh word also, but it, it leads to ignorance because we're getting out of line again. We're, we're missing God in the process, and we're missing God in everything. And as we suppress him and push him to the side, we just kind of become ignorant of, of what should be front and center for us. And, and that ignorance for, for humankind that, that Paul is talking about and for us as well leads to wickedness because we're suppressing that truth and instead of looking at everything as the big picture of how God is working in and through everything and, and that comprehensive explanation of everything based in Him, we are taking the pieces that we want, the explanations that we want, um, and, and using those instead of that big picture. And, and I won't say, and again, making it personal, just from not just the, the big picture that Paul's writing, I won't say that we become ashamed of God. I think we all, being here this morning, we all can say from what Paul wrote in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And I don't think any of us in here are ashamed. And when we suppress the truth, I'm not saying that we do that out of being ashamed of him, but it can almost lean that way because, you know, think about, and, and, and this is a challenge for Heath too, you know, think about those opportunities that we have as we go through the day, and sometimes we miss those opportunities that are just right there on the table in front of us, and the way it can be interpreted when we walk in and miss the opportunity to share him with somebody, you know, it would be a fair question to come back to us. Well, are you ashamed of him? You know, it, it, why, why didn't you take that opportunity? Why didn't you tell me? And, man, I hope for all of us, I pray for all of us, that's not true. That that's absolutely not true. And maybe next time, if, if we have done that, maybe next time we're in that situation, that thought from Paul will trigger for us and we'll be bold. And step right into that conversation. And if somebody doesn't want to hear it, we can't control that. We cannot control how people receive the message. But we've got to be bold to tell it and not suppress and hold back that message. And then Paul continues in verse um, 21. 
and what he's talking about with the people kind of going along with that whole conversation we just had. They, it's like they, the world acts like even though he's a parent and even though he's visible in everything, the world just acts like they don't know him or they don't want to know him, or they don't want to honor him, or refuse to give him the glory that he, he deserves, because, you know, it, it, that suppression, and, and those things that come natural to who we are, what we're doing is pushing God to the side again, and those idols, and those things that take the place of God that we're worshiping, those things start with self, it starts with me, you know, think, think about when in, in life when there have been those struggles that we've gone through and, and we're wrestling with seeing God work and seeing God be active in our lives. And I bet you've done just like me and asked God, where are you? How, could, how can you leave me here? What are you doing in my life right now? And if you catch that, everything's about me. It's not honoring God, and it's not pointing to Him and following Him. It's all pointing back at me. You know, the, and it's, again, somebody else that's a whole lot smarter than me, you know, those, those things that lead us to sin, those things that lead us to wickedness, those things that lead us into idolatry that all begins with us, that word sin. What's the middle letter in the word sin? I. It starts with me. And, and think about that. Both sides of it start with me. I can choose to not follow God and worship me, I, or I can choose to follow God and get me out of the way. There's a choice, and both choices have to do with us personally. Getting our lives in line with the righteous God being right with him, with ourselves, and with others. And then suppression, that, that word where we're, we're suppressing those, those attributes, we, them, that Paul's writing to, uh, those things of God, those, his power, his presence, his work, his awesomeness, all of those things that we, we suppress, we hold back, and, and we, we want to sometimes even want to uh, to stifle a little bit leads to and Paul talks about it in the verses as we go on down into verse 24 but it leads to an exchange we hold it back long enough we put ourselves in the front long enough and that truth that we know we come to the point that we trade it we swap it we exchange it for something else because God is not the priority God is not front and center and remember like I said in the beginning the most important thought you'll ever think about God will determine every other dimension of your existence in verse uh, 24 so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things that their hearts desired as a result they did vile and degrading things with each other's body they traded the truth about God, they exchanged it for a lie. They worshiped and served the things that God created instead of God himself. And what this makes me think of, that, that rejection, because that's what that is, that, that exchange that comes with, with trading, that it, it's a rejection 
of the glory of God. That's what it is simply. And again, it's that I, that decision I make of who I am chasing after me or chasing after God. It makes me think of, and I wish I had one with me this morning because it's so much better with the visual, but it makes me think of a jack-in-the-box. And, and literally sometimes how we, but definitely how some in the world and, and the world in general that has knowledge of God may, may treat God as, as we manipulate him for what we want him to be. Anybody ever had a jack-in-the-box? And I know for some of you that was a long time ago and you may not remember it. Uh, but that little jack-in-the-box and the clown and we pushed him down in the box and we closed the lid and then we put him on a shelf, right? And then when it came time to, to manipulate, we'd turn the crank. And eventually, the song's going to get to the point that he's going to pop out and we're going to scream and then we're going to put him back in the box. But, but think about that with, with our relationship with God and that exchange that we make as we're trying to manipulate him you know, we, we, we put him in a box, and we constrain him, and we may even put him on the shelf, and then we need him. And, and those 911, y'all make 911 calls to God. I do, and we're supposed to. But, you know, those 911s, we grab that jack-in-the-box off the shelf and crank the handle as fast as we can. But then what happens? And, and this, is, this is the truth of what happens for us. 911, God, I need you, and we're cranking that handle, and we, he pops up out of the box, and half the time we act like we're surprised that he popped out of the box because we've traded him for something else. We've traded him for me, worship of me instead of worship of him, and we need him, and we're calling him, and, but, but then we act like we're shocked that he shows up because we're not used to that. You know, and it, it should be, in our walk with Christ, as we're following God and trusting Him in everything, there should be no surprise. Of course, He should never be suppressed into that box and put on the shelf. But we should never be surprised when God shows up and acts. Because that's who God is. And when we're following Him with everything that we have, He's always there. We don't have to turn the handle of life. To see if God's going to show up. Because he's already there and he's working ahead of us. And he doesn't promise us that everything's going to be perfect. But he promises that he's going to be there and he's going to get us through it. And in some of those things, he's teaching us. As he carries us through those trials of life. And he's developing us. Developing our trust. Deepening our faith. As he shows us just how good he is. But he's there, and it's not a surprise, and there's not anything that we have to do to manipulate for him to be alive and to be active. But the world exchanges, and even us sometimes, we exchange him for something else, for us. And when we do those exchanges and we, we act in suppression and the world suppresses God down, there's things that just start to kind of trickle through life. And, and they, they trickle through 
who we are and everything starts to unravel. Let's go back to the text, verse 28. Since they thought it foolish, they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. I thought that one was kind of, you know, but anyway, they, I, that line, they invent new ways of sinning. They refuse to understand. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet, they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do it and here's that that trickle down it's it's like um and some of you guys are in construction and and this will really relate to you well but it's it's like having a hole in the roof and you don't fix it what happens it rains water starts to trickle in our lives when we leave a hole in the roof and our following of God, and storms come in life, that chaos happens, and, and water, evil starts to trickle in, and if, if we just keep letting it go, that leak is going to get bigger and bigger. The, the evil and the separation is going to get bigger and bigger, and if we just keep leaving it unrepaired, Water gets into everything, evil gets into everything, and it can damage and ruin everything. Just a little, just a little trickle can mess it all up. And it's the same in our hearts. Just a, just a little trickle can mess it all up. The hope for us as believers we, we know through our faith, because of the righteousness of God, we know that that won't ruin everything for us. God still loves us. God will still use us, and God will redeem us. But there's a whole lot of people around us that don't understand that and just don't know what those little trickles in their life and in their heart are are leading them to and it's leading them to destruction it's leading them to a place that there's no return and and then that last statement of the verse verses i think is the is is the catch for us because he talks he writes about they invent new ways of sinning but down there at the end they continue to do them even though they know what's ahead for them and they encourage others to do them also the infection spreads and instead of instead of being not ashamed of the good news they're not ashamed of their evil ways and they're bringing the world down with them and i don't even have to give you an example 
to think about that. I guarantee you, every one of you, something popped into your head instantly of how you're seeing that work just in, the, in your circle of influence. And all of this, all of this evil and, and encouraging others into evil and the, and the trickle that's causing the damage is indirect violation of the command of Jesus Christ and I always go back to John 13 34 and 35 as he spoke to his disciples at the table as I have loved you you go and love each other the world will know by the way that you love and that lines up that lines up for us as a church crosswalk Pflugerville with our values loving God my prayer for all of us is that we're chasing hard after God in everything that we do and we're loving people as Christ has loved us and we're looking, actively looking for those opportunities to serve so that someone will know the love of Christ. We don't serve people so somebody can say, oh, look at Crosswalk Pflugerville, they're so good. I don't care if anybody ever says that. I seriously don't care. I don't want that. I don't want my picture on Facebook. I don't want our picture on Facebook. It's fun to see them, but that's not what we're after. We want people to know that we love people because we love God. And we love people, and we want them to know. And this part of the book or the letter to the church in Rome, the, the application for us, it just comes right down to the desperate need, the absolute desperate need for us to live out those values that we just talked about and to go. And I know some of y'all probably get tired of hearing me say to go and to tell, but you're going to keep being tired of hearing me say that because that's what we're called to do. As followers of Christ, he gave us in the Great Commission and in Acts 1-8, we're to go and tell. We don't have a choice. It's, it's not, it, it's honestly not one of those, well, Monday, Wednesday, okay, but Tuesday and Thursday, no. That's our life. That should be our life. People should see Christ in us every day. And when we get the opportunity, we use our words. And that should be who we are. Because those thoughts that we have about God, those most important thoughts that we have about God determine every dimension of our life and they determine that we want other people to know and when we read texts like these in Romans chapter 1 and know what the world is facing and know the hope that we have man it should not or it, it should just activate something in us that makes us not rest keeps us up at night stirs in us all day and disturbs us when we're at that lunch table or we're at the job site or we're in our classroom or wherever you are it just should be something that disturbs us not because we're looking at somebody and passing judgment on them that's not what it's about we're not passing judgment on anybody but we should want to know if they know Jesus Christ and if they do man what an opportunity to celebrate with somebody. And if they don't, 
What an opportunity to share. Paul tells us that God is evident in everything. So there's knowledge. But remember, knowledge does not equal salvation. Until they know, until they surrender their life to Christ through faith, they don't know. They may know, but they don't know the peace and the hope that comes in a, re in a relationship with Christ. And verses like these should push us into those statements like Paul made in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray that it is so. Let's pray together. Father, I do for all of us, for all of us, I pray that this is the reality of who we are. God, we know. We can't ignore it. We know the world around us is broken because we were part of that at one point in time. And God, I pray as, as we read and, and, and understand the world around us and really do understand the depth of the issue, God, that it just drives us. It just drives us to share your name and your fame and to help people living in desperation to know the peace and the hope that comes from you alone. And God, there may be somebody here this morning wrestling with all of these things. And maybe, Father, for them there has been a lot of knowledge, but there's never been that time of yes. And God, I pray for, for that person, if they're here this morning, God, that they would say yes to you today. And no, so they can go and tell. So, Father, this morning as, as we continue to worship you and as you've spoken to each of us just how you've needed to, God, I pray that our answer, our only answer to you this morning is yes. God, that we can trust you and just say yes. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we worship again together, I'll be in the back. You need to talk. You need to pray. I'll be there. Karen will join me.